The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 121st ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Quite possibly the best sports week of the year, either this one and the next one together. Also in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, I'm here in Boston, looking out my window at a pretty good rain at the moment, with the Red Sox kicking off their postseason in two hours. I will be heading into Fenway Park the minute the show is over today in one hour. So looking forward to that, and hopefully the rain stops. It looks like it's going to, and uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, Red Sox get underway. And that leads right into my highlight of the week, which is, of course, the pirate play-in game of Tuesday night. Uh, as you listeners know, I grew up in Pittsburgh watching the Pirates as far back as the Forbes Field days, uh, right on through Clemente, the We Are Family team, and I was actually at uh, the last playoff series ever played at Three River Stadium that the Pirates ever played in in 1992 against the Atlanta Braves with Barry Bonds and the, and the like. And uh, so it was just great to see that they got the home game by sweeping out the Reds last weekend. And it was absolutely electric for all of you who watched. Uh, PNC Park on Tuesday night was just something special. It may end up being the best thing we're going to see this entire postseason. It was just incredible to watch. The blackout was awesome. All the fans dressed in black. The reactions to, uh, you know, the home runs, uh, Marlon Bird, Russell Martin were just incredible. And just the energy there was uh, something you don't see in baseball that often. And, of course, the highlight was the chanting of Sato, meaning red starter Johnny Sato. And if ever there was a moment where it 
seemed like the crowd directly affected what went on on the field. It was then because uh, the crowd was chanting at a deafening roar, and I've heard these chants of Daryl in Fenway Park before. I know what it sounds like. And it sounded louder in Pittsburgh the other night. And Sato was out on the mound and literally just dropped the ball at the height of the chants, uh, which just elevated the noise level. And very next pitch, home run to Russell Martin. And that just felt like the ball game right there. So hats off to the Pittsburgh fans. They showed up big time. Uh, The Steelers are the luckiest team on earth to have... uh, their sorry start to this season, 0-4, winless, to be uh, completely ignored, basically, as ignored as the Steelers can be in Pittsburgh and by Steeler Nation, uh, but completely ignored by uh, the city of Pittsburgh, which is just all in on the Pirates. So it was special. Uh, fallout today, Dusty Baker, manager of the Reds, was fired. Uh, so, again, uh, you know, that game was heavy-duty impact, to say the least. And uh, Brandon Phillips, the Reds' uh, second baseman, said his team choked. Uh, on the flip side, the celebration in the Pirate Clubhouse was just off the charts with the champagne and Clint Hurdle, the manager. It was just, uh, again, riveting, riveting stuff. And, again, it may turn out to be the best thing we're going to see the whole postseason. We shall see. So, uh, moving on, my low light of the week was the final separation and dissolution of the Josh Freeman-Tampa Bay Buccaneer relationship. My take on it is, plain and simply, it was just clearly a personality conflict between Josh Freeman and Greg Schiano. I don't think there I don't think it's anything more complicated than that. Neither side won. It was a classic lose-lose situation. They both looked petty. There was the leak this week of course of uh, Josh Freeman apparently being in the NFL's substance abuse program, and then he came out and said it was uh, having to do with taking Ritalin versus Adderall, and just a big, big mess where, again, there were absolutely no winners in this situation. It was just a total, total uh, bad scene for both teams. Everybody came out looking bad. Uh, news this morning uh, seems to be that Josh Freeman may well, very well indeed be in demand. Since the Buccaneers cut him, they owe him all of his salary, which is $6 million. And if somebody else picks him up and pays him, uh, he'll be double-dipping and getting the $6 million from the Bucks and whatever else he can get from another team. So Josh Freeman came out of it uh, pretty well, I would say, if he signs. A whole lot better than Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers... Uh, come out of this looking really, really bad in my book. My bizarre story of the week is the Texas game-winning final drive last night against Iowa State, which featured two reviewable fumbles and a slew of penalties. Uh, And before that, Texas had a Hail Mary on the last play of the first half that was good. Iowa State opened the second half with a 97-yard pass play 
that's a highlight we'll be seeing all year long. Guy put on an awesome move. So it was just uh, really, really uh, a fascinating game to watch. And all this against the backdrop of, you know, Mac Brown, who won the national championship in 2006 with Texas and Vince Young, seemingly playing for his job. Or it just felt like, you know, had he lost that game, they're heading into a bye week, so they have 10 days off before they play Oklahoma next Saturday. Uh, it felt like he might have lost his job, or if he wasn't, wouldn't have lost it had they lost last night, that uh, the clock would have been, he would have been on the clock, and it would have just been inevitable that he would be losing the uh, losing his job at season's end. So I said at the beginning of the show that I consider this perhaps the best week of the sports year. If it's not, then the week that begins tomorrow is. Uh, I need go no further evidence than last night where we were able to watch the Pirates-Cardinals to uh, start off the evening. Uh, no Pirate fans want to li- uh, talk about that game. Hopefully they're like a defensive back and they can just, uh, or a relief pitcher, and just put it behind them and move on. They're playing as we speak, just underway. <laughs> in St. Louis with Game 2, but at the same time, there was also uh, Pirates-Cardinals rolled into Dodgers-Braves, Bruins opened their season, that was on another channel, NFL Network had Browns-Bills, which was a really good game, shame to see that Brian Hoyer, former backup to Tom Brady, who I saw up here many times at training camp and actually even in some games, Looks like he might be out with an ACL, and that's a shame because they were, uh, he had obviously won their two games with Brian Hoyer, but Brandon Whedon did a nice job last night, and uh, they put out a victory, very exciting ending. And then there was the aforementioned uh, Texas-Iowa State game, so last night, again, good night to be a sports fan, sitting here in Boston and just flipping between four sports events all night long and uh we got a whole lot more of that coming up in the next week so looking forward to it and now as my former co-host Lemont Williams from outside the huddle likes to say it's time to pay some bills so let's take our break next up will be our weekly call-in expert AP Stedham of Bama Magazine Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. 
In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get ahead in business and life. Read Getting It Done, 1,000 of the Best-Kept Secrets for Success in Business and Life by John Capozzi. Learn how John, a successful Connecticut businessman, obtained 13 corporate promotions in 13 years. This book makes a fantastic gift for anyone who wants to get ahead in business. Voice America will donate a portion of every copy sold to the USO. Visit gettingitdone.com and enter promo code VA1234 at checkout to get a 10% discount. That's gettingitdone.com, promo code VA1234 for a 10% discount today. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Great to be here. I'm- just uh, just east of Mobile, uh, across the bay, and we're fixing to head up to Tuscaloosa here uh, right after we finish up. Fabulous. Um, well, it's uh, exciting times, uh, as always, uh, in the sports world. And when you and I last saw each other uh, a couple weeks ago at uh, UConn, they were in the process of coming close to upsetting Michigan. And since then, a lot has happened at UConn, and I know you're right on top of it. So why don't you uh, talk a little bit about uh, the state of the football program at UConn? Yeah, John, we were at that game in Michigan. They they had them on the ropes, and uh, Connecticut was hit by two touchdowns, but they turned the ball over and subsequently lost uh, 24-21. And, and then the next weekend, you figured that they would have some momentum, even though they lost the game when you played a, a top 25 ranked team, but they failed to show up and, and got slaughtered by University of Buffalo. And to compound matters, that's the former school of the current UConn athletic director. So that then set well on his drive back home to stores. So they made a move on Monday and relieved Paul, Paul Pasqualoni of his, his duties as the head coach of the Huskies. And the other day, they named the interim head coach, uh, TJ Weist. Uh, former Alabama wide receiver walk-on, who was the offensive coordinator, was coaching the wide receivers, so he's in command. And he had a teleconference today just to go over a few things, uh, the past few practices. So he's he's a charismatic figure and hoping to turn things around because if he does, uh, uh, the athletic coach at UConn said he's in contention for the position, but he has to win. It's just three little uh, you know, it's just one word, but it's hard to do. So 
it, it's a monumental task when you're 0 4 and you've lost to a FCS school and your coach has been uh, fired. So, but TJ is interjected some life into the team. He's going to make a change at the quarterback position. Uh, there's a young fellow from Middletown, Connecticut, Xavier High School, won three state championships in a row. Tall, uh, six foot four, about two fifteen. Has a strong arm, a good leader, and but not experienced, of course. So they're gonna they're gonna fly with him next weekend uh, against South Florida at home. Wow, well, that's a lot to digest. I mean, uh, how quickly things change. Again, you and I at halftime of that UConn Michigan game. Paul Pasqualoni's job probably never looked safer than that very moment. Uh, and, you know, uh, a week and a half later, he's gone. You know, we talked to him both uh, at uh, the American Athletic Conference Media Day in Newport in late July. And, you know, he was impressive. There's no other way to say it. I mean, I stood there and listened to him for about five, ten minutes. And, you know, to hear him talk, and he, of course, was the former coach at Syracuse, quite a resume. And, you know, you, you you came away, at least I did, thinking like, okay, well, he's definitely going to write this UConn ship, no question, and get it, you know, pointed in the right direction. It's his third year, I believe. But, uh, again, he didn't win. There's no other way to say it. And, you know, that's good uh, intel about the UConn official who, you know, went to Buffalo and would just have a, it would be an extra sting with what happened, you know, a mere week after almost upsetting Michigan. You're right, John. And he, uh, Ward Manning, he's also a graduate of Michigan. So the week before, he was, I'm sure, at the edge of his seat hoping for that victory, which didn't pan out. So two weekends in a row, he, you know, the team felt short and it, it's, it's just an avalanche at 0 4 and the team that's last in rushing, I believe, and all of uh, FBS football and the team noted for having you know big strong linemen, good running backs through the years, and the defense this year, John, as you saw, they can't really stop anybody because they're on the field too much, too many turnovers, and especially at, at costly times. I mean, it's never good to have a turnover, but you know when your game's tied or you have a lead, and you, as a result of the turnover, they come back. It's just never good. So he had to make a decision. I think it was the right one, and and TJ's going to have his chance. This is his first head coaching assignment, and I know he's excited. Uh, and one thing I talked to him about today was I asked him about the quarterback. He TJ w- was uh, under the leadership of one of the great offensive minds in football, the late great Homer Smith, who coached Troy Aikman at UCLA. And, and he yes. came to Alabama and did some great things and back to East Florida and back to Alabama. So, you know, he has he has a good foundation. Absolutely. Well, I mentioned halftime of the UConn-Michigan game, and during that halftime, uh, I saw TJ for the first time when he went out of his way up in the press box to say hello to you right in the – literally at the halftime of the game in which they're – in the process of upsetting uh, the legendary Michigan team and uh, program, I should say. And so he clearly thinks high of you. So I'd say you're in a pretty good position uh, as far as having a uh, established relationship with the new UConn coach, not to mention the quarterback who played in your area. Yeah, you know, John, I was real fortunate that all these things happen. It's kind of surreal when someone from your hometown is the – starting freshman quarterback and 
I had the chance to see Tim work out for the, uh, it was at the time the assistant uh, coach at Oregon. He flew 3,000 miles to work him out one, I think it was April afternoon. And then I was fortunate to meet up with TJ, his graduate of Alabama. We had some many things in common. We kind of bonded. So, um, you know, I'm really pulling for him. It's kind of a personal thing. You know, a lot of times and you don't want to make it be that, but, I, you know, I can't help it with those two individuals. It's, it, there's nothing I can do. I know both of them, and I like both of them. Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll see where they go from here. I mean, hopefully it's, you know, bigger and better places. And, and you know, with the UConn program, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure another thing that just is, you know, in the background, uh, you know, I heard Randy Edsel, the former UConn coach, interviewed uh, yesterday uh, on the radio, and he, of course, left UConn to take over Maryland. Maryland is now 4-0 and and playing probably their biggest football game in years tomorrow against Florida State, who, by the way, uh, I went to see last week at Boston College, so I got to see famous Jameis, um, and he was impressive, especially that final Hail Mary that was, uh, you, you know, reminiscent of the Doug Flutie miracle in Miami Pass uh, to end the first half there. And so, yeah, yeah, so a lot going on at UConn, and I'm sure, you know, seeing Randy Etzel's success just, you, you know, makes them want change and success even more. They can't, you know, they're only human. It's human nature to want that. Yeah, there's no question about it. Uh, John and, and Randy Etzel, he had a rough start, I believe. He ran off or, I don't know, it was in the neighborhood of maybe 25 players, and he received a lot of heat from various journalists across the country about his approach. But it, it, he seems to be on the right path. He had some playmakers. I, I saw them play in person against Connecticut, and they had some good receivers, an outstanding quarterback who can make plays with his feet and a good arm, accurate. And, heck, I think he rushed for 100 yards that night himself. He had a big-time big, big time evening. Well, absolutely. No question about it. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, just speaking, uh, you know, on the other side, I mean, getting to see Florida State last week. I mean, BC started out fast, and they were seemingly in control of that game as much as you can be in the first quarter. Put it this way, it started like any BC fan would dream a game like that would start. But yet uh, – Florida State was relentless, and, you know, I went because, you know, I wanted to see Jameis Winston. I mean, you know, there's not that many players come along in the beginning of their college career and do what this guy has done in his first month. So I just thought, hey, you know, I can go see uh, this apparently special athlete, you know, a half an hour from my house. So I drove in, and I'm glad I did. I mean, it was really impressive to watch him. Uh, and it was a great game and great atmosphere at BC. So, uh, you know, I, I think the kid is special. You know, it's I, I gave him the eye test, and uh, I sure liked what I saw. <laughs> yeah, John, nothing to, but good things to say about Jameis Winston. He was from Hueytown, Alabama. Alabama would have gladly taken him if, you know, he accepted a scholarship and they fought Florida State for his signature and, and Alabama had some other quarterbacks, so he wanted to go where he could maybe get a little, you know, short of some playing time. But, you know, strong arm, you know, good vision, looks like a, an excellent leader, and he's accurate. So, you know, Florida State, they got a gem of a player. 
Well, they really do. They really do. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, two weeks in a row. Uh, I know I focused heavily on uh, we don't get that much big-time college football here in New England, but, you know, so I focused heavily on the fact that you and I were both attending the uh, the UConn-Michigan game, and that indeed was as big-time as as you could ever hope to find in Hartford, Connecticut, no question. And uh, And then, you know... I got the exact same thing a mere week later, last Saturday, when uh, when I went into BC, and again the energy was just absolutely terrific. It had been a couple of years since I had been to a BC game, and I was actually planning to go to the Army game tomorrow. And you know, and even though they're playing it, I'm glad I didn't plan on it because <laughs> glad I chose the Florida game, Florida State game instead because, as we all know, the Army game was in jeopardy uh, just a you know a couple of days ago, given the government shutdown. So. Crazy days, that's for sure, in, in sports in this area. Oh, yeah, John. I, I was surprised uh, a little bit about how many points Boston College put on the board against Florida State. I, I think it was the week before, if you can correct me, they went out to California and had only one touchdown against USC, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. Right. <clears throat> so I was, I was surprised at that, that point total. Yes, and speaking of USC... Uh... It's not often, you know, you wake up on a Sunday morning, uh, bright and early, and right out of the, you know, the minute I turned on the TV, there was breaking news, of course, of Lane Kiffin being fired overnight, and it's weird only because, you know, the last thing I saw before I went to bed on Saturday night was uh, on TV was, you know, watching the uh, Arizona State-USC game. I didn't stay up for all of it, but, you know, waking up to that news and hearing how he was fired, uh, you know, on the plane or in the hangar or whatever, uh, just all pretty surreal. It, it was just a, a strange way, strange sequence of events over what was just literally a matter of hours. I mean, I watched till like midnight and then, you know, eight hours later, finding out he's fired. So what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, John, I mean, it's one thing to uh, lose a game, but when you surrender 62 points, I mean, USC, that was their best offensive production, believe it or not, for the season, 41 points. But 62 is, is outrageous for that much talent. I mean, I know their, their scholarships are down, but I, I think sometimes people are using that as, as an excuse because if you're recruiting good talent, many times, you know, the third and fourth string players, they're not, they're not competing and playing any, anyway. So it's really that too deep. So, you know, I think Lane Kiffin was really destined to be fired. You, you know, his performance at Washington State game, that kind of sealed his fate, I believe, as only a matter of time. I mean, and the team is, you know, they beat Boston College 34, 35-7 and, you know, uh, eked out a win against Utah State by three points. So I, I think I don't think Pat Hayden had a choice, really, and it was in the best interest to just end it right there so all these coaches out there will know that USC is looking for someone and they'll plan accordingly their season and, you know, contacting their own agent to, to uh, seek interest from Pat Hayden. Exactly. And, you know, on a somewhat related note or similar note, another coach under fire and program that may open up, of course, is Texas. I talked at the beginning of the show about the incredible Texas-Iowa State game last night. That was just fabulous television, especially the last drive, which featured, you know, two reviewable fumbles uh, that could have gone, you know, by Texas that 
could have been awarded to uh, Iowa State. They would have won the game, and there was penalties and just a crazy last drive by Texas to win the game. Um, but Mac Brown, again, high-profile program on the hot seat. I mean, sitting here today, despite last night's win, you, you know, the chances of the Texas job being open for next year, along with the USC job, are pretty strong, I'd say. John, I totally agree. I don't think Mac Brown is long to be on the sideline for the Longhorns. And with the athletic director retiring, uh, the lost odds, you know, that's been a, uh, the strong leadership for maybe, what, 10, maybe 15 years. But I think change is, you know, the winds of change are, are around. And it'd probably be a big cleaning of, of the house down there. And, you know, that, that's a great, that's a great job down there. You have all the resources. They make as much money, if not more, than anyone in NCAA athletics. And the fans are hungry and devoted, and they love football. Uh, and someone who's looking to make a change, uh, name your price, I believe. Absolutely. No, it may be, you know, it's, you know, top five premier jobs in college football. No question about it whatsoever. Um, all right. Well, with that, AP, we have a lot more to cover in the world of football and other sports as well. And uh, But why don't we take a break now? And I know you're sticking around for the other side. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. It's all about Philly sports, and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts Mike Greger and Joe Dara every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is one 888 346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., I know you're down in Alabama, getting ready to head over to Tuscaloosa to cover the Alabama-Georgia State game tomorrow. And there was uh, some news from 
Bama this week that was uh, no laughing matter, shall we say. Yeah, yeah, no laughing matter for a ha-ha Clinton Dix, the fine junior safety uh, from Florida. I mean, he's Dr. Phillips High School over in Orlando. Um, you know, he borrowed uh, between $100 and $300, according to the Tuscaloosa News, and it was from an athlete, an assistant strength coach, Corey Harris of Alabama. I mean, that's the strange, one of the strangest things I've heard in a while. I mean, a lot of times it's some outside influence of someone within the program, and Nick Saban, he has to be uh, reeling from that because he's preaching to all these players all the time to follow the rules. They want to do things the right way. And here it is, somebody on the staff uh, creates a firestorm with that violation. You know, and Alabama had a self-report, and they're suggesting uh, one to three games. Now, the NCAA, they could either accept that premise or come back with a stronger uh, uh, penalty. Yes, and, you, you know, it brings to mind the obvious phrase, what was he thinking? And I mean the assistant coach. That is just, you know, violation yeah. 101. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't, John, I, I still don't understand these issues with these small amounts of money. I mean, to jeopardize your career, you've worked so hard to reach that level. All the time and effort you put in the entire off season, not counting in season, and and ha ha, he's that he has that all American type, uh, you know, caliber player, and I, I think he, he was probably thinking of leaving after this year, and he's rated pretty high, I guess, by the by some of the scouts. So why he he chose to follow that assistant coach and that assistant coach. Uh, did that for him? It, I, I, you know, you'd love to just speak to him. Of course, Nick Saban, he won't let you talk to uh, anyone. You know, it's funny that I, I had interviewed Ha Ha Clinton Dix last Saturday after the Ole Miss game, and I'm, I was thinking to myself, "Boy, he's really coming on as a player. He's an excellent, uh, you know, in, in excellent position most of the time. Good tackler. He's a real strong leader on the team. And boom, th- this happens. That's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, he is a projected first-round pick in the NFL. This is not just uh, another player. This is a no. All-American, as you said, uh, you know, and so Alabama is going to feel his loss, no question, and not to mention, you know, you always have to wonder, like, you know, upon his return, will he be what he was, which is simply one of the best players on the number one team in the nation, period. Yeah, and in the eyes of the other players, I, I mean, I, I guess in this day and age, we talked this before. Their players today, they seem to be kind of unconscious. They don't let anything phase them. Oh. Off the field, on the field, they, they just go about their business. Most of them to the next play, which is maybe that's good. Maybe that's good in life to have that quality. Just, just forge ahead and forget the bad things that happen. Learn from them, but move on. Right, well, Nick Saban, of course, uh, learned from the master uh, Bill, and meant his mentor, Bill Belichick, on, you know, on how they both detest distractions. And, you know, this is a big one. I mean, lucky for him, they're playing Georgia State tomorrow and not LSU, that's for sure. Oh, my goodness, the people of Alabama, they'd, they'd be so down and out if that was the case, John, because they just... You know they know they're in position to do something that's never been uh, accomplished in history. You know, win the third 
BCS in a row, and uh, it can never be done again because BCS will be ending this year. So, yeah, Alabama, all the things that have happened to them through the years, the last few years, John, that were on the negative column, in the negative column, for some reason they've had luck to come back to them uh, down the road. Right, right. Um, well, it's going to be interesting to watch. Now, Georgia State, uh, Alabama's favored by how many? Is it 55? Yeah, I believe it's in that neighborhood. It sure is, John. And so it's one of those games where Alabama, sometimes they can't find someone to play. And they need, right. they need someone to fill up the schedule. Believe not, I know that from talking to many teams around the country. They're just not all that interested in coming to Tuscaloosa. Now, is Georgia State, is that the team that Bill Curry built the program from scratch a couple years ago? Yes, it is. I sure is. Out of Atlanta, Georgia. That's right. So, uh, it, you know, it won't be much of a test. You'll see a lot of back. It's, it's the kind of game, John, where you, if you're a fan of Alabama, you want to attend because you're going to see players you have not uh, seen play all season. Right. Almost like a spring scrimmage game. Right. And it's a homecoming game, and... John, the game is eleven twenty-one down here in the morning. The homecoming parade, believe it or not, is seven a.m. You're kidding? No, I'm not. I wish I was, John. But this so, really disrupts everything when you have that early uh, TV time. It's on the SEC network, so I'm not sure wow. I'll be in you know right up front on the on the uh, University <laughs> Boulevard watching that you know the Grand Marshal pass by and the homecoming queen in the court. So, in other words, it's uh, 12.20 Eastern time. Right. That, that's correct. Okay. Wow. So, that's pretty weird. College football game starting at 11.20 in the morning, local time. That's pretty bizarre. <laughs> yeah, I hope everybody uh, ready to play. I mean, you know, they're playing a, 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 an, opponent, an opponent that's not as, as strong as an SEC team, but you never can tell when these guys get up to play a game, but... Alabama shouldn't, shouldn't have any problem. That's the reverse of, uh, of the NFL, which announced that it's playing the uh, Raiders-Chargers game at 11.30 Eastern time at night. I guess it's this Sunday because of the Oakland days. They play Saturday. So, yeah, Saturday, Sunday night. So, yeah, there's going to be a, literally a live kickoff at 11.30 at night Eastern time here in Boston where I'm at. Uh, this Sunday night. I mean, I'm loving it, quite frankly. Oh, yeah, John, that's got to be maybe the first time. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I totally agree. I don't ever remember a game kicking off that late. I mean, you know, as I just referenced earlier in the conversation, you know, I enjoy on a Saturday night, uh, you know, the, the West Coast games, be it a Stanford, uh, an Arizona State, whomever, Oregon. You know, if it's a good game, I, I love when they're kicking off at 10, 1030 at night. But 1130... I don't ever remember that. No, period. right, right. But uh, should should be interesting. I mean, football fans, John, as you know, they're 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 devoted. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, no, it, it's, it's going to be uh, it's going to be you know fascinating to say the least. Uh, well, we have some other good matchups uh, in college football this weekend. Uh, speaking of the West Coast. Uh, Washington, Stanford, Stanford, uh, two top 20 teams going head to head. That that's, that's going to be, uh, you, you know, potentially a great game to say the least. Yeah. I, I'm, 
I'm a big fan of that Stanford coach and what he's done for that program. And, uh, you know, until, uh, you know, another team from the Pac-12 beats them, uh, I I have to believe uh, Stanford playing at home would would win this game, John. Oh, absolutely. Um, Yeah, I I mean, uh, David Shaw... I'm a big fan as well. I don't, it's it's hard not to be. I mean, this guy has just such a likable demeanor. There's just no other way to say it. You know, he just seems like the perfect coach for that school. He really does. And and they they've displayed a kind of toughness of an SEC type team. I think John watching them through the years under this under his leadership. Oh, absolutely. No, it's it's been awesome, and you know they just. They they lose Andrew Luck to the NFL, of course, and and they just keep rolling right along, and in fact are rated higher than they ever were, I believe, with Andrew Luck. So, it's a, you know that's when you say, okay, it's coaching. Yeah, I mean, I, I just really like the way he has you know, big offensive linemen. He likes to run the football. He throws it a tight end. He has smart quarterbacks. Uh, in the def- defensive players, that front seven, they're strong. They're not weak up, up on that front seven. You can't push them around. And, and I, I look for those things in winning football teams. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I, you know, Stanford's one of those, you know, likable teams. I think everybody just kind of likes Stanford when they're doing well. I know I have. I mean, I have no allegiance to them whatsoever. I did visit the campus once and was blown away how beautiful it was. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're just, uh, you know, becoming now a perennial power in the past, be it with Jim Plunkett or Jim, John Elway, those types of QBs, they would, like, resurface about once a decade and, you know, make the Rose Bowl or whatever. But now they're just, you know, perennial top ten, it seems. So good for them. Oh, yeah, I think it's exciting, John. I, I, I like to see, uh, you know, having a team from every region of the country a potential power. I, I think it's, it's interesting. And, you know, when you get to those the championship games, especially with this college football playoff coming soon, everyone can be excited from all parts of the country because they'll have someone represented. Oh, absolutely. Well, looking ahead, just looking ahead, the potential one of the potential games of the year will be Stanford, Oregon down the road. Uh we shall see. But with that said, I know we still have some other games we want to talk about. So why don't we take our break? And uh, once again, I know you're sticking around after the break. So we'll talk a little bit more football after that. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack! With uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. What's it like to live life on the edge? Fire in the hole! It's that feeling of exhilaration after doing something that pushes your limits every day. Action sports athletes live their lives on the edge. 
Join professional ski patroller, journalist, and author Kim Kircher every week as she talks to guests who are exploring the edge. We'll look at everything including risks, motivation, and the rewards involved with getting out on the edge. You want to tune in every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Bombs away. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now... Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, quick update. The Pirates have uh, taken a one nothing lead in Game 2 of the NLDS with the Cardinals, and, uh, and they had the bases loaded but failed to score more in the top of the second. So Cardinals batting bottom of the second. Pirates up one nothing, looking to rebound from yesterday's uh, tough game uh, against the Cardinals, uh, blowout by the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. So, uh, AP, we're going to switch back to uh, football. Although, let me add, you're down south these days. Uh, a lot of excitement with the Atlanta Braves. They didn't have their best performance, but... Uh, I was impressed with their crowd last night, especially the uh, the chop. It reminded me of a Florida State game, which I heard plenty of last Saturday at Boston College with the uh, Florida State <laughs> chant as well. Yeah, they have a uh, uh, an, an ex- you know their fans always get excited. There's a lot of Braves fans in Alabama, and they 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 watch those games religiously, just like the folks in Boston do. John, they they'll be talking about. Uh, People, especially someone like Tim Hudson, who played at Auburn, and uh, so he, you know, people are a big fan of his in Auburn, Alabama. Well, the Braves cover a wide, and I mean wide, geographic area. I mean, you know, the Red Sox may dominate the six-state re- six region here in New England, but uh, you know, you could fit New England into uh, practically any one of those southern states uh, a few times over. So. When I think of the Braves, I, you know, just a team with a huge national appeal going back to the WTBS national days of broadcasting and uh, first superstation, shall we say. And yeah, I was just thinking of that last night, but really what caught my eye was, again, and I've been to a game at the new Turner Field a few years back, so I was very impressed uh, by the Braves fans last night because they are typically considered, you know, fairly apathetic. Yeah, that that's been the case in Atlanta uh, professional sports through the years. But 
you know, I just, when they get into the playoffs and start winning, you know, it brings everyone out who's even thought about being a fan. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, we'll see if they can rebound against the Dodgers as well. And, uh, but, you know, back to football, another marquee game and, uh, you know, not something you see every year by any means is uh, Ohio State Northwestern. It is uh, in Chicago, in Evanston, Illinois, Northwestern, well-known academic school, especially among we journalist types. Uh, I'm loving it. I like. We talked about David Shaw. I mean, I think the other one, the other coach that like is universally liked, is you know Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, and the, I'd say tomorrow night's probably the biggest game of his career. John, you know they're both what, four and zero, I guess. Uh, yep. Have a, and you know they had a common opponent, California, and Northwestern went out there the first game of the year and won by a couple of touchdowns. I mean, I think they score in warmups, Northwestern. He's he's always been to put together a, a dynamic offense in the quarterbacks. I mean, they're always they're always throwing all over the field. You never know where the ball is going to land. And they're a dangerous team because they really believe they can win. Correct. Oh, they're very dangerous. Again, you know, I'll take it a step further. I, I'm guessing it is the biggest game on the Northwestern campus in maybe forever. I mean. Ohio State is, you know, number four in the country. More importantly, Urban Meyer has yet to lose a game as the coach of Ohio State. Granted, last year they were on suspension, but they ran the table. And uh, no postseason for them. And, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's huge. And I'm sure that the city of Chicago and the campus of Northwestern is, uh, you, you know, Really excited. I guess College Game Day is going to be there. Mike and Mike broadcast live from there today. Uh, uh, one of the Mikes, not Golick, is, of course, uh, a Northwestern <laughs> grad. So, yeah, just a lot of excitement. I, I just think it's terrific. I really do. Spreading the wealth. Yeah, yeah I think you're right. I, I'd be interested to tune into that game because uh, Northwestern, it's like it's almost you know like the David Goliath uh, theme in that game. You know, Ohio State, the perennial Big Ten power, and Northwestern always being stepped on by, by the other schools. But it's not so in the last um, so many years with Pat Fitzgerald at the helm. So, you know, it's maybe it's must-see TV if you can be there Saturday evening on ABC watching that game. In, in Northwestern, that would be, you know, thrilling for those folks to be 5-0 and and have beat the, the top team in the league in the fifth week of the season. Oh, it would be a seismic event, no question. I mean, th- this would reverberate throughout college football. And again, to me, the, the the real hook, I mean, Urban Meyer has not lost as the coach of Ohio State. That's the key. And he, of course, is an Ohio native. And he's, you, you know, a polarizing figure, uh, to say the least. So should be interesting. And, you know, earlier we talked about uh, – Andrew Luck, of course, out of Stanford. And, you know, just looking at the NFL this weekend, uh, Seattle at Indianapolis. And Andrew Luck facing, of course, you know, Russell Russell Wilson, Seattle. Many people think they're the best team in the NFL, or next to Denver, of course. But, um, but you know, 
Great comeback last week against Houston, but that to me is the game of the week. That's just going to be fabulous. And I think everybody wants to see, you know, is Indianapolis for real? I mean, I don't think anybody doubts Andrew Luck is for real, but, you know, is Indianapolis like a Super Bowl contender? We may get that answer on Sunday. Yeah, you know, Andrew Luck and, uh, you know, the quarterback from Seattle, those are two bright stars. Uh, and they're, you know, two nice young guys. They're smart and they make plays with their feet and with their arm. That's what I like about both of them. And they can stay in the pocket and complete passes. I, I watch a lot of these quarterbacks, John, in the NFL, and they're trying to run around. I, I don't think you can last very long uh, with that style of play, but I like uh, you know, both of those quarterbacks. But but Andrew Young and, and Colts, they're destined to be good for quite a while, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, Andrew Luck is just uh... – you know, you look, you look at Russell Wilson or Colin Kaepernick or RG3, of course, and you just say, now there's a runner. You just do. The eye test says that immediately. You don't yeah. think that about Andrew Luck, yet he is just a terrific runner. I mean, you know, he'll take the contact. He'll, in fact, bowl over people. Um, he's a tremendous athlete, although to look at him, you wouldn't necessarily draw that conclusion. You certainly wouldn't look at him and say, great runner, but he is a great runner. He, he really is, John, he, and he's got that powerful arm, so you have to respect you know, his ability throwing the football, but I wouldn't want to try to chase him down if I was a defensive lineman, because he, you know, he, he plays with such passion, and he's, he's big, too. He'll run you over. Absolutely, and another... Uh... You know, another team that I think people are curious about, I know I am, is, you know, the Detroit Lions. Uh, they go into Lambeau Field to face the Packers. I mean, they had a huge, huge win this past Sunday, the Lions did, and uh, over the Bears. So now everybody is all of a sudden, you know, what do we got here with the Lions? And let's not forget, they were in the playoffs just two years ago. They had a bad year last year and looked completely undisciplined. But Matthew Stafford looks like the real deal again. And uh, I think that's going to be a great game as well. Yeah, John, it's, it's, it's a marquee game with two excellent quarterbacks. And when you're watching the game of football, there's nothing like it, I believe, than watching two guys that can throw. And who's going to have the better day, who's, who's not going to throw the interception, who's not going to fumble the football when the defensive lineman you know, tackles them in the backfield. So... You know, I, those are the kind of games I love to watch. I mean, to me, I, I really would rather watch two hot shot quarterbacks and two hot shot running backs. Oh, me too, absolutely. <clears throat> and speaking of quarterbacks, as we get under two minutes here to the end of the show, Matt Schaub. I watched that him serve up that pick six to uh, Richard Sherman that led to Seattle's overtime victory in a game that Houston just had completely dominated. And, uh, you know, they, they were, uh, you talk about a quarterback under fire, they were burning his jersey in the parking lot at Reliance <laughs> Stadium in Houston. And Houston is not a fan base that reacts like that. So that's how crazy that situation has become down there. So he's playing the 49ers and Kaepernick. Uh, that's a, <clears throat> this is a huge game for Houston. Uh, we're under a minute, but I'd just love to get your quick thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, John, fans are, you know, fickle, and you know they'll be riding high when you're winning, and and uh, throwing things at you when you're losing. So, 
it's uh, what have you done for me lately? And, you know, that'll continue this week with those, those two quarterbacks. Should be interesting, to say the least. Another great weekend of football coming up. Uh, kicked off in a great way last night with, uh, you know, the Texas-Iowa State game as well as the Bills and Browns. So uh, a whole lot more coming up in the next few days. Uh, well, AP, thanks again. Your perspective, as always, is tremendous. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, John. Glad to be here. Thank you, and thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.